Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Soren Kaplan, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Chad. Thanks for having me. So we're here to talk about experiential intelligence. Um, I got to be honest, that's probably going to be kind of a new term for a lot of our listeners. Tell us, what is that? Well, you know, we, we've we looked at IQ, your intellect, and we've known for 25, 30 years that emotional intelligence is important, but we really haven't had a way to talk about how our experiences really contribute to how we think, the de- abilities we develop, and the knowledge and skills we actually develop as well in a coherent way. And, and that's really what I call experiential intelligence. It's a the third leg of the intelligence stool that we've all been relying on uh, and haven't really had a way to understand or really structure that understanding of it. And so it's really, to me, in today's disruptive world where things are moving faster than ever before, we need to understand how the experiences that we have and that we create as leaders and in our organizations really shape how people think, their abilities, and the assets that we can draw upon to you know focus on our strategies and achieve our goals. It's easy for people to understand IQ. Not everybody knows their IQ. They have a sense of it. And I'm sure most people would think they're above average, which is kind of the funny joke, right? But you can measure IQ. EQ is much more, um, you know, people, I think, seek that out. They want to understand that people, they, oh, they've got more emotional intelligence. They understand how they can harness that and how they can, they can build upon that. Experiential intelligence. How do you measure that? How do you, how do you really understand where you are? Um, in, in a way to understand that baseline, to how you can get better? Well, the original concept was actually the words were introduced by Robert Sternberg, who's the former president of the American Psychological Association. Um, I've expanded on it. And when you think about your experiences and what they deliver to you, it's your mindsets, your attitudes and beliefs about things. It's your abilities, which are kind of your higher order competencies. And then it's your kind of base know-how and and which is your knowledge and skills. So let, let me just bring this to life with an example that I think we can all potentially relate to riding a bike. So if, if I said, you know, what, what percentage of your success in riding a bike is due to your intellect? You know, it's it's probably pretty pretty low, or you wouldn't even know how to answer that question. You could because you have to you have to experience riding a bike. It's about experiential learning, essentially. So when you ride a bike, you learn the base, you know, know how how to turn the handlebars, how to brake. You also may need to develop higher order abilities, like if you're riding down the road and you see a pothole, you kind of anticipate a bump, or you want to ride, you know, you you see cars and you want to ride defensively. Those are kind of higher order abilities, but you also have mindsets that you develop around riding a bike. So you can look at a bike as transportation, 
But you could also look at it as an opportunity to socialize with friends or to, to you know go on a tour and, and be a tourist and explore new new you know areas of your the countryside. So there's a lot, there's mindsets, abilities, and know-how just involved with riding a bike. And when you look at that as an analogy for really doing anything, then you realize that our experiences are shaping us and giving us assets that maybe we're not aware of that we could tap into for business, for leadership, and for personal, you know, personally to achieve our goals. So once somebody really understands experiential intelligence, XQ, how can they go about developing? How do they, what, what steps do they need to take to kind of, so to speak, go in the weight room and build that muscle? I'm going to share a personal example here to bring it to life um, and, and how this works. And, and what I've tried to do is connect working with thousands of leaders and around the world and my observations of their, their strengths, as well as what gets in the way of high performance and connect that with my own experience. As I look at, you know, how do you go do it? And the kind of the tools and templates and approaches that you use. So here's my personal example. Um, I grew up it, it, with a with a mother who had mental illness. She got it when I was three. My father was rarely around working multiple jobs. And by the time I was 16 years old, we had moved 15 times. Now, I grew grew up in an environment with a lot of uncertainty and I had to make decisions with very little information and I struggled a lot. Now, I had to overcome some of those things and I've done a lot of work on myself. But at the same time, as I did that, I also looked at what did I get from those experiences? And when I look at my own life, I've done a few couple startups. I've done a lot of leadership development and, and culture change work. The same things that really challenged me as I was growing up actually delivered unique strengths and things like being able to pivot very quickly, use limited data to make strategic decisions, look at patterns in very ambiguous situations. And so we all have experiences, it might not be like mine, but we all have an opportunity to essentially inventory those personal and professional life experiences that we've had understand how they imparted certain mindsets and mindsets are essentially your attitudes and beliefs about yourself, other people in the world, as well as led you to do certain things that might've become real abilities that you've got. And so by inventorying your experiential intelligence, you can then get a deeper insight into yourself, but also perhaps those you're working with and your teams so that you can really leverage things that might've been kind of hidden beneath the surface. With emotional intelligence, that awareness can really have profound effects on the people you work with, the people in your life, your families, your relationships. How does experiential intelligence, how does that XQ help with your relationships and how you interact with others? I think they're very complementary. So if you've got high emotional intelligence, it means that you are in touch with your own emotions and you can empathize with other people. And that's a great starting point for looking back at your own experiences as a, as a first step. Because if you're in touch with your own emotions and you look back at certain 
life experiences that might have been challenging or painful, you're able to do that with greater groundedness so that you can more objectively look at the experience and what it gave to you as or imparted to you perhaps either as a self-limiting belief or a barrier that you need to perhaps work on or as something that might have given you an asset that you have been undervaluing or not recognizing and leveraging in the way you could. So it, it's really a positive feedback loop uh, that I that I see in terms of the relationship there on on the the EQ and the XQ. How do you use XQ in your day to day life? How do you how do you bring that to the table in uh, in a proactive way in a meaningful way? So if if you're an individual individual leader contributor you can essentially try to understand yourself better in terms of the assets that you bring and that may be useful as you look for future opportunities you build out your resume with a kind of a different level of insight about yourself and stories and examples when you're interviewing and in cover letters and you might want to even talk about your mindsets, your abilities, and your know-how at you know those different levels. You can also work with your own team. If you pull together your team and you understand those hidden assets that they have through their experiences that might not relate to their specific job descriptions or their what's on their resume, you're able to harness and tap into some of the assets that might be hidden in your team so that you can achieve your goals. And so that's another option. The other thing that you can do is you can really scale best practices in an organization. If you look at who possesses that deeper experiential experiential intelligence about certain work processes or products or customers, then you you don't want to let that go. It's about not just about how do you, you know, do something in the organization technically, but it's also about how do they think to so that they can innovate? How do they, what are their abilities so that they're able to be successful? And so you can capture that as online learning and training, and you can pair them up as mentors and and engage younger workers by through job sharing and other creative ways to tap into that experiential intelligence that that exists within everybody. It's just a matter of trying to identify it and, and scale it. What does it look like? I mean, you've, you've traveled the world, you've worked with organizations big and small. What does it look like with an organization that has actually harnessed this? What does that look like? Yeah, let me give you one example from a, a friend and client colleague of mine. Uh, her name is Santi. Uh, she was named as one of the top 40 chief marketing officers in, in the world, and she was running international business for Hershey. And I asked her what part of her overall experiential intelligence contributed to her becoming um, kind of a, a, the one of the top CMOs. And she said something that surprised me. She said, playing the violin. And I asked her what she meant by that. And Santi said that she had to have intense focus and really perfect her her craft in playing the violin, but that when she would play with other people, like in an orchestra, she'd have to take the lead sometimes. She'd have to really attune to everyone else. And then she'd have to pull back sometimes and 
have other people step forward and do what they needed to do. And so her ability to understand her strengths and where she got them from it allowed her then to apply those higher order mindsets and abilities to becoming one of the top CMOs in the world. And when you look at that example, and then you look at that within a team, for example, and everyone's doing the same thing, then you're able to harness the the strength of, of the team. One quick example, I, I worked with a Fortune 1000 company recently. They had 100 people who hadn't been together in several years because of COVID. Some people hadn't even met in person yet. And we got them in a room and we talked about everyone's life experiences and the the top experiences that made them who they are today and uh, is allowing them to be successful at work. So it was it was very kind of positive focused and people started sharing in small groups those personal experiences and then extrapolating what their abilities are and how they think in ways that align to their business strategy. And by the end of half a day, the whole group had a list of competencies and assets that this team, this is department, were able to leverage as they move forward as a group. And they all understood and, and were sort of vulnerable with each other to understand each other individually and collectively so that they really were more cohesive as an organization at the same time. One of the things that that we do here at the Blanchard Company is it's called the leadership point of view. It's, so it's kind of similar in a way um, with with one of the examples you shared. It talks about like why I or, or why we're the, why we lead the way we do, and it talks about the experiences we had with a coach, a parent, a, an uncle, or an aunt, or something like that that has led us to kind of expect a certain you know a certain level of of how I'm going to show up on a day to day basis. So I see I kind of see that as well. What I love about our, our time on the on the leader chat is the opportunities for for our, our listeners to really mechanize these. What are some other ways that an organization can can again bring your ideas to life, bring this research to life, so they can show up in a different way? And um, and because what you're basically saying, you're kind of breaking down some of the facade of people and letting them know, hey, this is actually this is this is why I am the way I am in some ways. And, and and this is what I can bring to this organization. So what are some other ways that you can do that? Yeah. And just a little more framing there, you know, we all bring our whole selves to the office, whether it's the home office or the office door, we might think we're not, but we are. And so experiential intelligence can be really strengths focused. It's based in positive psychology, but it can also go deep and really challenge one's sense of what we believe and how we operate. Now, let me bring this to life in just a very kind of clear, mundane way, because there's a lot of trends happening right now in society that support this. So one example is that a lot of organizations are starting to no longer require a college degree because they realize that that's a gatekeeping mechanism that might be screening a lot of qualified people out. Now, especially with COVID, some people kind of dropped out of school and kind of did alternative things. So what we're seeing is 51% of companies required a college degree for an interview uh, in 2017. Today, it's about 44%. And then you also can look at U.S. adults ages 18 to 29 who actually view college education as, quote, unquote, very important. This is a Gallup poll. Today, it's only, it's gone from 74% to 41%. 
So we have this sea change in the value of this kind of college degree formal education. Now, what's going to replace that? It's going to be replaced by your experience. So what we need to be able to do as recruiters, as in hiring, in evaluating candidates, in leadership development, we need to be able to understand how other experiences, whether it's travel or volunteer work or other types of experiences, certificates, give people the ability to show up and be successful without some of these more rigid constraints. So that's just a very tactical example from a kind of a HR recruiting standpoint. We we all know that there are some people that don't have a high IQ. We know there are some people that seemingly have no EQ. I mean, we, we, we can right now, all of our listeners can, and you and I can think of people that were like, they were just, they don't have the EQ gene. Is, is it possible not to have XQ? You know, the, the simple term for experiential intelligence is street smarts. That's the, that's the essence of it. And we, we sort of got to know street smarts as an important concept when Malcolm Gladwell talked about that 10,000 hour rule, you know, we all kind of can, we do things in life. Now, street smarts, however, I'd say we all have street smarts. We, we develop it from the moment we're, we're born. Now, street smarts as a term is usually used to talk about people who aren't formally educated, but they're sort of smart. They can still navigate the world. I do believe we all, because we all have experiences, we're all shaped by experiences. You know, we we create belief, we have beliefs about the world. We have develop abilities because we can we need to cope in certain ways. Sometimes our lives are more difficult. We develop coping abilities. Other times we just practice something and develop abilities. I think we all have it. Now the question is how aware are we of those things? And then how do we as leaders? leverage the experiential intelligence of other people on our teams or in our organizations. Because if we can really look at that whole person and focus on them in a holistic way, there's untapped opportunity there. So as we begin to kind of wrap up our time together, and thank you so much, Soren, for for taking some time to share in your thoughts. Uh, What's one thing that you'd like our listeners to, to take away from our conversation today? Just that we all have experiential intelligence. It's that third leg of the stool we've been relying on, along with IQ and EQ, that has been kind of underneath our seats and it's been hidden from us. It's our internal fingerprints, really. And we all have an opportunity to look at our experiences, understand them better, and leverage the strengths that they gave to us. And so I think it's it's an accessible, simple idea. It's a no-brainer, really. But it's one of these untapped opportunities that individuals, leaders, and organizations have. Experiential intelligence, harness the power of experience for personal and business breakthroughs. Soren Kaplan, thank you so much for your time. If people wanted to dig a little bit deeper into your world, your experience, the things you're out in the world doing, um, where would you send them? They can go to my website, SorenKaplan.com. It's S-O-R-E-N-K-A-P-L-A-N.com. There's a free chapter of my first uh, chapter of my book, as well as there's a toolkit that goes with my book too, that includes a bunch of the tools and templates that we've been talking about. Soren, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for spending some time here on the Blanchard Leadership Podcast.
Thank you, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Thanks so much, Chad, for interviewing Soren Kaplan. I just found the whole discussion of experiential intelligence fascinating. You know, I look back at my own career And I was never considered particularly intelligent, you know. I took the college boards three times, and I never got more than 900 in both of them. Uh, And I got into Cornell, but it was because I was the president of my school and co-captain of the basketball uh, team. And and I was provisionally accepted to all the graduate uh, programs. But what really has made me successful over the years is my experiential intelligence, which I learned from my mom and dad. They were really great teachers. My mom always said to me, Ken, don't act like you're better than anybody else and don't let anybody else act like they're better than you. God didn't make any junk. There's a pearl of goodness in every human being. Dig for it. So I've been a digger for pearl and trying to find out the best in people. And then my father, when I won the president of the seventh grade, uh, I came home and I was all pumped up and my father said, Ken, now that you're president, uh, your leadership training begins. Don't ever use your position in leadership. Uh, Great leaders are great because people respect and trust them, not because they have power. And so I've never looked at leadership as a power game. I've looked at it we rather than me. Uh, And combining that with looking for the pearl of goodness in everybody, what tremendous experience I had growing up, which really helped me a lot. And, And his discussion... Uh, was just fabulous, uh, uh, Torin. I just uh, so enjoyed it. And so uh, read his book. Find out about what your past experience is. How has it helped you? Uh, how can you grow uh, from that uh, experience and depend on that as much as if even more than your EQ or your <laughs> IQ? So take care of yourself. Remember your past experience can have a great impact on your life going forward.